The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Beloved, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered for our congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We have gathered for ordered divine worship to remember a word that is true in the joy of faith when grace is present, to see someone who is good in the joy of faith when grace is present, and to hear something that is beautiful in the joy of faith when grace is present. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray together. O God, you declare your almighty power, chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace, that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Our order of worship rightly begins with a word of forgiveness and a prayer of confession. We are here week by week to learn the vocabulary of forgiveness, the language of forgiveness, the spelling, syntax, and grammar of forgiveness so that we move away from the Pharisee who fam famously said of old, I thank thee God that I am not like other people like this publican here. And we move toward the publican who knew that language and said simply, directly, God be merciful to me, a sinner. As the choir sings our traditional Kyrie, Lord have mercy, let us offer our silent individual prayers of confession. Let us pray. Dear God, but for thy grace we would not be, and but for thy grace we could not love, and but for thy grace we should not speak, but by thy grace we live and love and speak. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 1 through 3 and 6 through 15. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of King Zedekiah of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadrezzar. At that point, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem, and the prophet Jeremiah was confined in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah where King Zedekiah of Judah had confined him. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of your uncle Shalom, it is going, to, is going to come to you and say, Buy my field that is at Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then my cousin Hanamel came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, by my field that is in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, for the word of the Lord. And I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel, and weighed out the money on, 
to him. Seventeen shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. Then I took the signed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions and the open copy, and I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah, son of Messiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard. In their purchase, I charged Baruch, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both these sealed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in the earthenware jar, in order that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively verses from the 91st Psalm with the Antiphon. shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings take refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. 
please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patre and the reading of the gospel. of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered in sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. In college and in life, all of life, there is a quickening of the spiritual imagination at hand. That may be so for you today in earshot of the ancient parable story of Lazarus and the rich man, Lazarus and Dives, today. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to do well or do you want to do good? Here is a young woman from another country present to listening to watching her classmates at the university, and they are engaged in pursuits related to their well-being, and she wonders whether they have a sense of, let alone a concern for, the hurts and needs she has seen firsthand. Here is a young man studying theology this year and wondering whence he shall receive the wisdom he needs to preach and visit a fine sermon 50 times a year and 25 visits a week, and whether in the world and in the church he will do well or do good. Here is a couple, a young couple, have emerged from a viewing of the film, The Butler, and they are jolted by the lasting, simmering hurt of racial animosity in this land, and they wonder what has been done well and what can be done for the good. Here is a man, a successful businessman who lingers in the shadows of church life. Maybe now he listens on the radio. He has done well. He wants to do good. He senses in the ministry, perhaps rightly, of the church that the minister is more interested in being correct than in doing good. Let me ask you, do you want to do well or do you want to do good? And if rightly you surmise that the response is a balance between the two, then how do you find your way to that bridge, to that balance, to that dialogue, to that dialectic, out of the life we all know? Luke, can help us with life. It has been the career of St. Luke since the summer, in the, in the weeks and months past, to probe your soul week by week. In the reading of the Gospel, we have sensed grace, freedom, and love probing the soul. We trust that also to some limited degree in the preaching of the gospel, that presence has been evoked. Listen to the questions with which St. Luke addresses your very being, your heart, not just your head, but your heart, not just your mind, but your soul, not just your intellect, but your will. With the dust of the Jericho Road still falling upon you, your spiritual imagination, here's the question, which of these do you think proved neighbor to the one who fell among thieves? With the tears, the father's tears still glistening, that parable of the waiting father glistening on his cheeks, you hear again the question, and why should I not have celebrated and killed the fatted calf? This my son was lost and is found, was dead, but is alive. Just very last week, you saw the accountant underneath the green visor raising the question, what shall I do? I am too old to dig and too ashamed to beg. Soon we will hear in a similar tale of one whose many possessions cause him to build bigger barns in the ringing interrog interrogative. And now that your soul is required, these possessions, whose shall they be? 
and in the fluttering fields of flowers before you. The Lord's uh, dominical question ringing out to us, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his life? And maybe reading so in a sense of anger and fear and despond, one hears again the, the Lord's own question to given to the servant who returned from the field, saying, up, serve with me. Your fieldwork is no substitute for your domestic duties or with change jangling in the pocket. Perhaps you hear the question of the rich young ruler, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Time flies. Ah, no. Time stays. We go. Let me ask you, subspecie aeternitatis, do you want to do well or do you want to do good? In college life and all of life, there is the potential for the divine presence to accost the soul, bringing change, wonder, grace, and love. It can be a terror, as the psalm today stated, that visitor tapping. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain filled me, thrilled me with fantastic terrors never felt before. So again, to still the beating of my heart, I stood entreating to some visitor, entreating entrance at my chamber door. Only this and nothing more. The parable of Lazarus and Dives is such a visitor. The chapters in Luke 9 to 19, they are such a visitor. The 27 books of the New Testament, they are such a visitor. The witness of the saints of the church for 2,000 years, they are such a visitor. The sermons and the preaching of the church, including those at Marsh Chapel, including this sermon, including this moment, they are that visitor. How are you going to find a balance between doing well and doing good? Granted, that in order to do some good, you probably need to have done something well. If you do well, then you have the capacity to do good. And if you do good, you'll also want to do that well. Lazarus summarizes Luke. It's just more bluntly put here. This is a tale that predates Christianity, arising probably from Egypt. And here is Lazarus without purple, without linen, without feast, without sumptuous daily feast. And here is Dives without poverty, without hunger, without sores, without the dogs licking the sores. And here is the ringing address of the gospel to the soul today. The parable accosts our spiritual imagination with a forecast of death proximate and personal, as does every benediction in the Marsh Chapel service of worship. The parable accosts your spiritual imagination in college and in life with a ringing reminder of the irretrievable character of the day gone by. Gone, gone, gone. As does the singing of the Kyrie in Marsh worship every Lord's Day. The parable accosts us 
with a blunt reminder of the divine economy, the divine housekeeping. They have Moses and the prophets from Jeremiah backward and forward. We forget the prophetic utterance about divine housekeeping as a people to our peril. Said Hosea, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, love of God, not burnt offerings. Said Amos, let justice roll down as waters and righteousness as an ever-flowing stream. Said Micah, what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Paul's summary is very gentle. May it be marked across the country today. Let those who have much not have too much, and those who have little not have too little. Where is that bridge you're making from what you have done well to what you can do good, the good that you can do? At age 19, I was hired as a crew member, a crew helper for a lawyer who had done well in life and also did a great deal of good. He needed me because of his age and a compromised left leg. I knew nothing about sailing, and I must have frustrated him endlessly. He taught and taught. He showed me a different world than the more humble one in which I had grown up with four siblings in a Methodist parsonage. A different place, this yacht club, different clothing, different cars, different people, and the boating. Over time, we finally managed to put up the mainsail well and to put up the jib well. And after a while, we didn't come in dead last in the Saturday races. We came in next to last or third to last. Then one fine late summer day, we sailed down that beautiful 10-mile-long freshwater lake. And the boat was cutting through the water, and the mainsail was full, and the jib was full, and he opened a box and said, throw up the spinnaker. I had no idea what it was, except that it was a third sail that when the boat was running well, caught the breath of God, the spirit of God, the ruach, the pneuma, and made that boat, well, sail. There are some institutions across our land who are doing well and are cutting through the water, and the mainsail is full, and the jib is full, and now we need to throw up a spiritual spinnaker and do some direct good without intention to gain. Institution by institution. There are some colleges and universities that are cutting through the water well with good leadership and a full mainsail and a full jib. Now is the time to throw up the spiritual spinnaker and cut, catch the wind of life and do direct good without any intention of gain. There are some bright students here today who did very well on the SAT or the LSAT or the MCAT. And the mainsail is full, and the jib is full, and the boat is sailing. And now is the time to throw up that spiritual spinnaker and do some intentional good, direct good, without any intentional gain. And we have some persons in our midst, perhaps the preacher included. You know, many sermons are preached directly to the person offering the utterance who have a chance now, having done well, directly and without intention of gain, to do something good. Where is that bridge from the well to the good? Where is that way to allow those of us who have done well, somewhere, somehow, to lean forward and to do some good in life. Capacity for awakening in spiritual imagination is present with us every single day. That moment of awareness may 
encircle you this morning, right now. Or it may come later on. It may not be the range of life or the teaching of Luke or the parable of Lazarus, finally, that turns you. It may be just a moment of reading. You know, the Latin verb to read is lege. And we are in college to read, and we encourage you to find the quiet places in life, to walk the esplanade, to sit before the Arthur Fiedler sculpture, to go to the Longfellow Bridge at sunset, to take, come an October Saturday, a walk along the Greenway. You can take a snack and a few books. You can start here at Charles Gate, and then when you get to Emmanuel College, pause and read Philbrick's part of his book on Bunker Hill, or as you're moving through the, near the ponds along the riverway, so beautiful they are. Stop and sample a few phrases, paragraphs, long sentences from Marcel Proust, who wrote, when a man enters another man's house, he becomes a different man. Or once you come to the Jamaica pond, you may stop, and you may pull from your satchel the Confessions of St. Augustine, written near the year 400, his first autobiography in the history of Western civilization is the first account of student life, and there's nothing that we know now that would surprise him at all. He did well, he did. He became an eminent philosopher, a renowned rhetorician, an admirer of Ambrose, and then, in the course of life, he found himself adrift. And as you may find along the esplanade, or on the river way, or in the library, or in the quiet weekday pews of Marsh Chapel, he found himself overcome with a sense of, well, maybe not only that he needed to do well, but also needed to do good. And as he wrote later, I didn't know the words then, but they would have been something, Oh Lord, will you forget me forever? May my tears, as Jeremiah said, flow endlessly. He remembered, though he, he wrote, though he didn't know it at the time, about Antony, who had entered a church and heard the gospel read, sell what you have and give to the poor, and had heard it addressed to himself, and so did, and then a saintly life. And Augustine, in his tears, wandering in the garden, hears a child's voice, boy or girl, he doesn't know, a sing-song Latin phrase, tole, lege, tole, lege, take and read. And he returns to the open scripture, Romans 13, and there reads, as Paul had written, not in reveling or in drunkenness, not in chambering or in wantonness, not in strife or in envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And he said it was as if all the full light of confidence flooded my soul and all of the darkness of doubt was dispelled. Let me ask you something. Do you want to do well, or do you want to do good? In college, as in life, the quickening, the awakening of the spiritual imagination is ever at hand, always present. Now come to the time in our service when we, we turn our hearts and minds to prayer, lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer 
by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail. As we sing together our call to prayer, lead me, O Lord. pray together when we hear the words Lord in your mercy we will respond together hear our prayer let us pray for the church and for the world Lord in your mercy hear our prayer grant Almighty God that all who confess your name may be united in your truth live together in your love and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give courage and hope in their troubles, and bring them the joy of our salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We commend to your mercy all who have died, that your will for them may be fulfilled. We pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever, amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, and we bear a special greeting this morning to the Cayley family and to Drs. Chris and Oyeri Cayley on the birth of their son, Kobe, this past Friday. We hope that those gathered here in the nave will participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the uh, red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. Do pass that red book along to your neighbor so that we may get to know them as well. A uh, note for our, the students in our midst that this Friday evening at 7 p.m. in the Thurman Room downstairs here at Marsh Chapel, we will have a movie and game night. Dinner will be provided. We hope you will join us for that. We also uh, look forward to all of your presence among us again here this next Sunday on October 6th when we will be celebrating World Communion Sunday. We invite you to meditate on Rayfon Williams' setting of Oh How Amiable as the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
dear God, we offer thanks and praise to you for the many blessings you have given us. Today especially we praise you for the gift and privilege of reading and study. May we do well in our studies that we may do good in your world. At this time we return to you a portion of the many material gifts that you have given to us. May these gifts be used to serve you and serve your world. In the spirit of Christ we pray. Amen. of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and always. Amen. 